Worker Resource Investment Conference with the Yukon Mining Alliance. A uh, really important interview and discussion here with the Honorable Mr. Ranj Pillay. He is the Minister of Economic Development with the government of the Yukon. It's my first time interviewing you. Welcome and thanks for sitting in the hot seat. Uh, thank you. Good to be in the hot seat. Good to be back again after uh, a couple years of missing. It is good to be back. You know, uh, we got a nice view of the floor here the first day of the conference and I got it. It feels pretty good. People are happy to be here. You're, you're lined up on the most important part of the floor, which is, of course, <laughs> the Klondike Trail, where all these great Yukon companies are uh, telling their story. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. there's some great companies. Uh, listen, uh, the last couple of years have been Interesting to say the least. Absolutely. Um, now, but it seems like we're coming out of this era of COVID. Yeah. Um, can you kind of walk us through initial challenges through the pandemic and what is the, the government of the Yukon doing now to really kind of boost exploration and sure. mining? now that we are coming out of it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's I guess, hard to condense it all into, into a short chat around with the last two years, but uh, I, I think the important things to share, uh, we were very quick uh, to the table to come up with solutions as a government. We built um, a panel of private sector advisors within days of really COVID sort of being announced across the country, coming out of, um, you know, PDAC. Uh, we built programs within two weeks that we then uh, helped uh, capitalize and, and support the private sector. And moreover, we, we, st we stood on, you know, we held the line when it came to mining production. We, we did not shut anybody down and we worked very closely with the sector. Uh, we believed in the sector's sophistication around uh, keeping people safe and healthy, uh, and they did. And what ended up happening was we had positive GDP growth in 2020 when the rest of the country, uh, you know, we, were, we grew by over 5% uh, our GDP in 2020 when we saw um, the country, you know, almost drop by over uh, 5%. And now with the preliminary numbers in 2021, you know, we see, I think Canada, I think it's just under 5% preliminary numbers of GDP growth and we're at 9.1% and really attributed to our mining sector. So, yeah. we, you know, that was key, I think, coming out of this. Um, so we have a good, you know, we have, uh, we're, we're, we have good momentum. Uh, we're seeing the expiration numbers that are being posted looking very strong coming into this season. Uh, we've seen growth from 2020 to 21, and now we're, we're seeing, again, very good numbers on what we see as potential spend. Uh, we're continuing to invest in our own programs. You know, we'll, we'll spend about one point, just under 1.5 million in our YMET program, which basically matches up with private sector money to get you know dollars out into the expiration at early stage. That's always been a great one. Um, so I think you know that's going to be. And and again, we're out fast and quick, um, telling the story of the Yukon. Mm -hmm. You know, when it comes to ESG and that conversation, um, we're telling the world, look, you're, you're looking at this now. We've had those metrics in place from the start. I'm really fascinated with this GDP growth, and yeah. you mentioned obviously mining and exploration yeah. being a big factor with that. What else, you know, outside of mining, what else is driving that growth in the territory? Well, it's you know we're also when it comes to construction, we um, two things that are at play. We're you know the Yukon grew faster than any province or territory in Canada over the last five years. Actually, you know Canada was a if you look at all G7 countries, you can see very significant growth by Canada. We led that. I mean, we were almost, you know, 12% growth, population growth over five years. So we've got, um, 
you know, housing, both on the commercial and residential side, but more importantly, infrastructure. And what we're trying to do is make sure we have the right infrastructure, modernized infrastructure, and that we're supporting the mining industry. So, you know, when I go back, we have, you know, probably about a quarter billion dollars right now that's going out to a multitude of different road projects. We have about a hundred million dollars going into our airport. Um, we're, you know, we're going to be in BC today, uh, we're here in BC today, but we're going to be having a, uh, a look at the port, sorry, we're looking at the partnering with the town of um, Skagway to modernize uh, our access to tidewater, especially with the, the, the push towards critical minerals. So um, that's driving as well. I mean, that's driving yeah. a lot of growth and um, it's important that we make that investment. Well, I mean, infrastructure has always been a key topic in places like this where people are looking for investment ideas with the Yukon and there's yeah. always been that stigma. It's like, well, they lack infrastructure. Yeah. But I've been involved in the Yukon for five years and it seems like every year yeah. the infrastructure just keeps getting better and better, but there's yeah. no stopping in sight. No, I mean, like, I think people, things that they wouldn't know. I mean, we're we're here in the month of May and, and you know, in the next 60 days, our first direct flight from Europe will start flying into our international airport from Frankfurt. Um, I just, um, I also have the uh, tourism portfolio in my work and I just came back from Toronto. We now have um, a direct from Whitehorse to Toronto. That's big for us. It's big uh, to be, uh, you know, tied into the investment um, center for uh, Canada when it comes to mining, um, but also, you know, the regular travel between Vancouver, uh, Edmonton, Calgary, Kelowna, Victoria, I mean, um, really, you know, we're very connected. And I think when you look at the thousands of kilometers of all season roads, people maybe would get our territory mixed up with other territories, uh, but really, uh, tremendous amount of infrastructure on the ground. And, um, you know, we'll just keep uh, investing in that. Uh, let's talk about uh, the other part of infrastructure, and that's really the labor yeah. por portion here. Um, obviously, you're well aware that there is a real tightness in the labor yeah. market. Mining exploration is obviously not immune to that. We need more yeah. people to come in. But what is the government doing, or can the Yukon government do to help bring in a more, uh, not only more labor that can help with these projects, but also uh, well-educated labor. Yeah, look, I, we're, we're looking at every opportunity we can when it comes to labor. Uh, I think the first and important thing we did, um, many areas of labor focus fall under departments of education across the country. Mm -hmm. The Yukon was not, uh, was very similar. We've now moved our labor market unit over to economic development, so it falls under my responsibility because it's really about driving economy. Immigration, we did the same thing. We are, so we're looking at everything from maximizing our ability to bring folks in, because we have to. Um, we just don't have the labor pool in this country to not be bringing folks in um, with all levels of education. That's one key thing, and we've been maxing out our allotments um, that we get from the federal government on that side. But also, we have gone through um, a very significant process and we'll be rolling it out at the end of the summer. And it's really about telling the Yukon story. I mean, we have a quality of life that's really, you know, second to none in this country. We have amazing programs. We have Canada's first uh, university in the north. Uh, you know, whether it's bringing your family up and seeing all the amazing opportunities it is for your, for your uh, family and children or um, the opportunities within uh, your professional career. Um, it's all there. So I think for us, we're going to be competing against all jurisdictions, but I think we've got a very progressive, uh, strategic way to tell our story 
um, the Department of Economic Development with other departments will be leading that. And it's not just about recruiting for um, the public sector, uh, governmental jobs, it's about recruiting for all mm -hmm. sectors. Um, again, we also have uh, you know, a, a, a center within Sider University that focuses on mining. So how do we continue to grow homegrown talent, not just on you know, extraction, you know, primary jobs, yeah. but you know, on the environmental side too. I mean, you know, it takes a lot of different people to build a project and uh, to get there. So, you know, those are some of the things we'll continue to do, and 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 we're really um, listening to the sector to tell us where we should be improving when we can. Did with with the rise in the GDP in the last couple of years, did you see part of it was it, were more people moving to the Yukon? And what do those yeah. demographics look like? You know, is, is there a certain demographic that you really saw rise? Yeah, I mean, our growth, we had leading growth when it came to population in the country yeah. in the last five years. Um, yeah, I think it's, you know, people went through, let's just say, specific the last 24 months. I mean, it's an absolutely beautiful place. And, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's absolutely gorgeous. And I think it's people who are a bit adventurous. I think it's people who appreciate a bit of an outdoor lifestyle. Um, I think it's folks who you know, or at that point where they want to further their career, where that's the age, we're kind of seeing that 30 something, you know, up um, and and really, and some people it becomes a bucket list trip and then they just never leave. And that's kind of the story of the Yukon really. It's, yeah. it's a special place and it's a place where people, I think they become, you know, they get there and they become, uh, they were looking for what they'd become and when they get to the Yukon, it happens. And then, you know, they're, they're down a career path um, they love their surroundings and it really becomes a, a, you know, we think it's a very, very special place um, and, and a lot of other people do because they're all moving there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's, uh, let's kind of transition back to sure. mining. I, I just wanted to ask that. I was yeah. really curious. But I do want to ask you, listen, uh, we talked infrastructure, that stigma that's always kind of come with the investment community when looking at the Yukon. The other one uh, that's a big issue, not only just Yukon, but anywhere is yeah. really the permitting. Yeah. So, and I'm really interested in this because, listen, it doesn't matter if you have money in Yukon or Nevada or, you know, somewhere on the other side of the world, permitting can really put a drag on your investment dollars. Yeah. Uh, but we're in this position now to where, listen, we have incredible demands. We have a lack of supply of raw materials coming yeah. on. We need projects to get greenlit as quickly as possible yes. for the growth of a sustainable economies yes. scale. So part of that is, you know, the permitting process, where is there room to really, I don't want to say expedite, but honestly, just kind of move the permitting process forward in a quick, quick, quicker manner than maybe it had been in the past few years? Yeah, where I, well, I think first, we've kind of have three phases if we're talking about a mining project. First, we go through environmental assessment. And that, and that assessment has the territorial government at the table, the federal government, and First Nations representative. It's, it's a piece of federal legislation and we believe um, there was some improvements and tweaks before and we think there's more that can be made. I think that's going to be the first spot. We, we've um, had First Nations come together. Um, we did a lot of work on reconciliation for the last five years. Mm -hmm. Back in 2017 at this uh, conference, I signed an agreement with all 11 self-governing First Nations in the Yukon. That, I don't think any other province or territory has done that. That has led to uh, a working table that is now leading to modernized legislation, which we're mandated to do mm -hmm. uh, through uh, treaties that are actually constitutionally anchored. So this is work that we have to do. Um, it becomes called successor legislation. So modernizing legislation, 
um, taking into consideration the environment, but also taking into consideration efficiencies. Right. And, and I think for anybody at the table, that's what they want to see. First Nation governments as well don't want to continue to go through duplication of efforts. They have um, small, small uh, teams of folks um, inside their um, governments. They have lots of different priorities. And so I think there's a shared view that we need to have an efficient process. So I look at continuing. We've sent a letter off uh, to the federal government and have requested some changes to our to the environmental assessment. We're waiting on that. We want to see the federal government, you know, work with us. Um, you know, here's a government territorially and First Nations coming together collectively asking for the same thing. That's a place we can do it. I think on our own mining legislation, we're going to continue to look at modernizing it, and that work will probably, you know, it's over the next couple of years. It's it's ongoing right now, and it just started. Um, I think when it comes to our lands legislation, um, which is another piece of really important legislation that's, you know, has to be updated. I think that gives us an opportunity because that really takes into consideration access roads, how we use the land. Um, I think that's an opportunity, and we continue to work. Um, the third step for us is water license, mm -hmm. and so we have a we have another um, semi, you know, judicial process with. First Nations, federal government, and Yukon government uh, appointments. And again, that's a place where we had an MOU that we signed off that our premier led a couple of years ago that has showed some efficiencies. Mm -hmm. um, but I think those are areas that we're continuing to look at. I think when we step back, though, what I would say, before, you know, five years ago, how many people were at this conference talking about ESG, really? And, you know, now I sit with bankers, um, people that are doing financing internationally, and what we hear is, everything's going through this ESG lens. And companies are having a hard time if they don't, if they're not working in a jurisdiction that you know, will be able to lead to, to that sort of um, analysis. So for us, when we think about it, we believe that our environmental assessment process can be improved, but we also believe that when we think about the E and ESG, we are in a great spot because we have everybody at the table making that decision. I think on the social side, the mining companies you've gone have a long history of having great relationships in the communities. And whether it's the Chamber of Mines or Yukon um, Mining Alliance um, or you know women in mining, they all do great work. And you know they're they're focused on what's happening with the MMIWG work in this country. They're focused on what happens in communities. And those are all key things that you have to be doing and you have to believe in. And I think when you look at the G on the governance side, you know, we have self-governing First Nations. We have half of the modern treaties in this country sit in the Yukon, basically. And those um, indigenous governments um, are very sophisticated in how they work with folks um, and how they work with us, how they work with the federal government. So again, I think when you look at that, we, we you know, we kind of, we check the boxes on ESG. And that's why you're seeing bigger companies, um, you know, doing their due diligence like Rio. You know, we've got Newmont there already. Um, so the big majors that are there, and then of course we're being led by very uh, entrepreneurial juniors that are really right. in production. Right. It, it, it is, it's really great to hear. You kept on using the word uh, modernize uh, th these processes, mm -hmm. um, which is great. You, you know, for somebody such as myself personally, I have money invested in the Yukon, and I'm happy to hear that. Where I think the concern is, and just think it comes back you know, to government is you can talk modernization, but yeah. you do have to deliver Absolutely at some point. So what does, is there a timeline on delivering a modern permitting process? So how does that look? Yeah, I think when it comes to the federal piece, you know, we need them to essentially put our request into their legislative agenda. 
when it comes to the federal side. And you know, the premier was, uh, you know, where we're at today, where you know, the NMA and the premier was just meeting with the prime minister and uh, minister of natural resources and others. And this is a priority for us. So again, you know, you know, I hope to see this over the next year or two that we get to a place where we're on the legislative agenda. That changes how we do the EA. That that will remove redundancy in processes, and we'll see some real change. I think on the water license piece, which I was saying was the third phase, I think we've seen improvement there. And really it's about how government interacts with the third party and, and how we can you know, appropriately and respectfully um, discuss interest, and, but yet not um, undermine the process that was put in place, the, the integrity of the process. Right. Uh, and then I think with the modernization, you know, we're probably looking over the next two to three years uh, when it comes to the mining legislation, it's a it's a big piece of work. Like that's right. the truth. It's not, you know, we're talking, you know, we we have we have certain policy in place that's been in place since the gold rush. You know, we just had, we just had a 125th anniversary of uh, <laughs> of the Klondike gold rush last year, and so, you know, I want to be honest with your viewers. This is important work. We have to get it right. It'll take a bit of time, but when it's in place. Now we have the foundation for the next, you know, 125 right. years of mining. Right, and, and I'm glad you said that because I was thinking in the back of my mind, like this is not something you can just rush through because no. you have got to get it right the first time. Yeah, and you have to you have to get to a place at the table with mutual respect from the parties Absolutely. that are there. And if you don't, if you if you rush it through, and that's happened, you know, in other jurisdictions before, it's happened in the Yukon before. And then what happens is you spend a whole bunch of time trying to, um, you know, repair relationships and to work around it and so for, from the start we've been in a place where we've been focused on improving but we've also been focused on strong respectful relationships with everybody and uh, making sure that you know we're open and honest with industry um, and making sure that we have respectful relationships with First Nation governments and municipalities and others and that's really been the key to how we've handled ourselves what we've seen overall is you know a half a decade of some very serious growth. Um, I think we're continuing to mature as uh, a, an investment jurisdiction or as a mining jurisdiction. And really with this move on critical minerals, I, you know, the amount of basically international foreign uh, affairs um, individuals, like ambassadors, right. go, go, you know, consul generals that are reaching out to me and my other work is um, extraordinary. And it's really been about where's Canada gonna be when it comes to critical minerals. We know we have to do it for ourselves, but who's our, who are the partners we need and who are the, the right partners? Right. Um, and so I think the opportunities in front of us are extraordinary, but you're right. We have to get it right as a country. We have to remember that uh, mining has been foundational to the growth of this country um, and, and we have a new opportunity. So right. what are we gonna do with it? And, and this is really interesting that you mentioned that because one of the things that we've been talking about on the podcast is this idea of a deglobalized world, and and just really how Canada, United States, Mexico, all these countries that made up that what was NAFTA, and I can't remember what it is now, yeah. but like it's you know, guy. we can really strengthen those relationships once again because obviously you know the world is changing every day, yeah. and Absolutely. where we end up, uh, we don't quite know yet. But between the resources from the Yukon. Uh, and the demand and from the United States and Canada and like, we're set up really well and I, like yeah. the, the future is really bright for Yukon mineral exploration because yeah, we mean, need it. Yeah, I mean when, when you think about northwestern Canada and the Yukon, 
um, you know, I've, I've sat at the table and co-chaired the mining table with the f previous um, federal minister of mining a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. And so I had all the mining ministers at the table with me in the country. And, you know, it was good conversations. And you, you go through that work to get agreements in place across the country. And then it, what we saw with our sort of, you know, the modernization of mining and how we were going to position marketing in Canada. And then we also had a scenario where we had agreements on between the U.S. and Canada on critical minerals. So, but where the rubber hits the road, you know, we're, we're working with the community of Skagway, Alaska, a small community, great local leaders. Um, we're looking at investing into, again, a very modernized um, ore terminal. And we have to remember, when I sit down with federal officials and people at that level, the same way with U.S. officials, by the way, we have an agreement to work together and around critical minerals. This is, how, this is where the work gets done on the ground. And we're working well and coming up with solutions. But it's continually like educating everybody within a continuum of what an agreement really means and how we actually have to work together. But I think you're right. I mean, I think we're positioned as a territory um, very well. Uh, you know, we have 2,900 mineral occurrences. Uh, there's lots of work to be done. Uh, and again, I think, you know, we've got a, um, a good track record over the last while. Victoria Gold was our last permitted mine. It's a great story. Uh, they're doing good work. And again, I think, you know, we're looking for the next mines to open. Well, and also in Newmont coming out and say they're going to actively continue to work on coffee. Yeah. Uh, Rio. Uh, Tinto coming in and partnering with yeah. Western Copper and Gold. Absolutely. I mean, there's a couple big projects there that can help deliver those materials that the world continues Absolutely. to need. Um, but then we continue, we can go back and have a conversation about permitting and infrastructure and all this. Yeah. We don't need to do that, but it is set up really well. Yeah, I think it's like, I, I, I would, I would uh, challenge anybody to be able to come and sit with you at a conference representing anywhere and say, you know, <laughs> we've, got the, we've got it all right. Um, I, I think we have um, a lot of attributes. I think there's a huge potential. But I, I will say this, I'll tell you, when you think about the Yukon, when it comes to responsible mining in the Yukon, Yukoners understand the long history around mining. And when people are going to do it right, they support it. And we have, you know, we also went out and we did consultation around our clean energy. It's our clean future, it's called. It's about our emissions reduction and it's about moving forward. And we ensured that critical minerals, this is a number of years ago, was in there. We, we, we understand before anybody was, you know, finally making these deeper connections between critical minerals and a clean future, you know, as a mining, long history of mining and, and, and a real social support for mining and with our population. Um, that just made sense. And we had all First Nations, all municipalities consulted and endorsed that plan going forward. So I think that that, you know, I don't know if you'll get the same level of understanding and support for the sector um, in every part of the country. Uh, Mr. Play, before I let you go, you know, we covered a lot of different topics here. Yeah. Uh, and thank you for answering some of those tougher questions. No problem. Uh, but I do, you know, what, what else do you want this investment community to know as you continue to attempt to attract global investment dollars into the territory? I, I think I want folks to be able to understand um, that we get mining. We are very retail at the political level right through to our and in, in how we interact. We're very accessible in a good way. We want to help people make the right decisions. You know, my morning was spent meeting with companies and hearing their feedback on how we can improve, but in turn, you know, giving some ideas of what we've learned along the way. I think it's important uh, for folks, um, for the companies that are that are thinking about coming in, that they come in and they um, engage early with the partners they're gonna have. Um, understand that 
we are a jurisdiction that can really um, help support and build the projects of the future. Uh, I think you have governments at all levels that get it. I think that's important. And I think for investors that are listening to your show, they have to understand it's the stability. You know, there's lots of places to invest in this world. Um, you know, I think the delta between us having it exactly where we want to be and where we are it is, is pretty small. Uh, we're always fine-tuning how we can improve, but at the same time, um, it's a stable, consistent jurisdiction. You know, and when it comes to our relations with Indigenous governments, through something called the Yukon Forum, we sit with all the chiefs in the Yukon every three months and have shared agendas on how to work together. And I think for anybody who's out there that knows, you gotta, you gotta be at the table, you gotta be having conversations, and we do that um, very consistently. Um, so again, that all leads to stability. And I think that's what people want when they're investing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, it was great to, I, to chat with you. I'll be up the, heading back up there, I think, uh, early fall, looking forward to it. First Fantastic. time in three years. Yeah, well, we'll be happy, happy to host you. Uh, thank you okay, so much. Thank you so much. And have yourself a great rest of your conference. Thank you. Thank you.